0: It's the future and I'm old
1: I'm I'm old That's how we're starting it again today with old GIS with old Algus Hello you guys Hello Hello That's um hey what's up Welcome to Pod Gis episode twenty 20-
0: five
1: <sighs> I always forget to check before I hit record, and today is no exception. It's episode twenty, and I hope you have been, if you've been listening from the beginning, holy moly, look at how far we've come. We've come a long way, and I appreciate you, a listener, but if you're new, then welcome to podcast. Don't listen too far back, because I think the early ones probably suck. I don't know. I don't know. I'm old. Ow, my hip. Uh, listen to whatever you want. I don't know. Don't listen to me. I'm the worst critic of myself. Trust me. There is nothing you can mean you can say about me that I haven't already said to myself in my brain. Because it's loadsome foil day for Algus. I know this uh, episode is coming out late. I've been experiencing foil once again. And in case you don't know what foil is, it's my word for I say loathsome foil, and it and it's the feeling I get when I am desperately self-loathing and depressed. So right now we're recording right in the in the mire. In the mire of foiled guess. But I'm gonna climb my way out. This is how I climb my way out. And maybe you guys didn't even have to know about this. So, let's just forget I mentioned it, okay? I'm gonna... You know how my podcast is a comedy-esque podcast? (laughs) If you don't think I'm funny, I'm gonna add-esque at the end. It's comedy-esque. If you think it's funny, then it's comedy. But if you think it's mildly entertaining, then it's comedy-esque. Memories of comedy. You guys know the President's Choice sauces, that it's like memories of Thailand and memories of Korea? It's always memories of some country, and, and it's, that's a flavor, apparently. So if, you, if, if, if I used to be funny and I'm not funny anymore, then this podcast can be categorized as Memories of Comedy. <laughs> Let's just rename podcast to Memories of Comedy. You guys remember when it, everything was funny? Now the, now the world sucks. Um, I decided to do, did you guys hear me choke on my own spit? <laughs> <I> went, <coughs> oh man, there it is. <coughs> Jesus. I went, <coughs> I went, <coughs> and, I, and I gargled it. Oh, jeez. Okay. Great start. Yes. Um, I'm going to do something new, different today new and different <laughs> what you know wouldn't you know it so today it's going to be education it's going to be memories of education come uh, literally so i'm going to do and do you an educate on this uh podcast because i was thinking the other day this comes up a lot in my brain and uh, just as a quick backstory, I went to the University of Western Ontario, and I achieved a, a, a three-year major in psychology, Um, and it it was a five, it took me five years, and I did it, and it was a three-year major, and I did it in five years, so that's how you know I'm super educated about it, <laughs> so... So, check it. So, I went to school for psychology, and, and you know, I don't claim to be a genius of sorts, but I learned a lot in university about psychology. Social psychology, especially, was, I always found, the most interesting thing that I could find interesting in academia. Uh, it just, it always turned me off, but social psych was always kind of interesting, because it has real-world implications, human psychology on an individual level is like it's too variable everybody always when they hear that i went to school for psych they're like oh so you're so you're reading me right now i'm like i'm i'm not a clairvoyant i'm not a i'm not a fucking psychic <laughs> they don't they don't sit you down and dim the lights and everybody gathers around a magic orb that's not how it works in university that's not psychology <laughs> and if you believe in that stuff you're a crumb ass get your crumbs out of your ass Okay. Um, anyways, so I went to school for psychology, and I there's so there are a whole bunch of studies and lessons that I remember to this day, and I think about very often, especially when like a national crisis or some public thing happens, and somebody catches it on video, and everybody everybody reacts. In the same way. It's just, we were all just, we're all caught in a time loop and we're all doing the same things because it's human nature and it's very unfortunate. It makes me very jaded about humanity because we are all, we are all just conditioned to respond in certain ways. There are exceptions, sure, but we... We're only, we're just a bunch of dumb primates who look around at each other and we're so influenced by each other. Social psychology, man. Be an individual, break from the cycle, even though you mostly, mostly can't. Anyways, alright, let's 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 get into it. So I got, like, my notes here on my phone. And quick reminder before we get into it, um, I, I purposely didn't do any follow-up research on any of this. So, it's mostly from memory, um... But it's, but like, you know, I always joke about how shit my memory is, but these, the things that I remember about psychology, I remember well enough that the lesson stands firm and true. So I may not, like some of the details might be missing, the fine, the fine details, but like, you'll, you'll get the point. So anyways, let's start with, um, because I hinted at, let's start with this, uh, the bystander effect, you guys. Make some noise if you've heard of the bystander effect. Get up on out of your fucking feet. Put your hands in the air for the bystander effect. Yo, if you're standing off to the side and, you, and you're and you doing it too, that's kind of partially the bystander effect. Ah, oh, you just proved my point. All right, now to my first hit single, Get Jiggy With It. A remix off of the Will Smith classic. "Um, Bystander effect. So... <clears throat> I'm not going to get into the harrowing details of what kind of kicked off this study, but if if you are willing to stomach it, there was a heinous crime against a woman named Kitty Genovese, G N G N O V E S E, Kitty Genovese, and I think this was in St. Catharines, but I'm not entirely sure, but it may have been New York. Anyways, I won't go into the details because I'm going to keep it as light as possible, but uh, there was a heinous crime against her. And it was in an alleyway between two apartment buildings. And uh, the crime was loud, but nobody called the police. The crime was loud and long. And these are the things... These are... You know, I know more details, but I don't want to fucking spook you guys. So look it up if you have the stomach for it. Content warning. uh, Really gross and terrible and awful. Uh, So she was the victim of this thing. and, And it was huge news because like a whole bunch of people after the fact were interviewed in both apartment buildings and and an enormous amount of people reported that they heard screams and cries but everyone but nobody called the police and every almost every single one of them reported when they asked why when they were asked why they were like I don't know because I figured somebody else was doing it I figured somebody else was handling it and that is the bystander effect essentially the more people are around, the less likely you are to act, and that has a lot to do with like when when we're surrounded by people, we feel more anonymous, and so to stand out in a large and it's harder to stand out in a larger crowd because you have a larger audience. It 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 um it spurs a little anxious effect. So to protect yourself, if you want to get evolutionary about it, to protect yourself, you just blend right in and uh, absolve yourself of any responsibility hence why every time you see a video of somebody getting beat up in public or like somebody screaming at somebody in a mall and they're surrounded by people just kind of gawking that's the bystander effect and i'm sick and tired of all these comments underneath that are always like What is wrong with people? What is wrong with people? I would have put on my Superman cape, and I would have flown in, and I would have punched everyone, and I would have did a suplex, and then I would have did a backflip, and everybody would have clapped. Because we're all superheroes in our brains. But to those people I say, no, no you wouldn't. You probably wouldn't. Maybe some cases, sure. There are some exceptional people out there. And I'm sure you're hanging on to the belief that you are one of the exceptional people. But likely, nah. Likely, nah. Nah, you wouldn't. <coughs> oh my god, I did it again. <coughs> oh, some Somebody please stop standing by and give me the Heimlich. So I'm going to have to whip through some of these. That's the bystander effect. So next time you think that you would be a superhero swooping in to save the day... I hate to rain on your parade and be a pessimist, but you probably wouldn't. And so next time you see videos and of that happening and you're like, what is wrong with people? It's like, it's not what is wrong with people. It's, it's just people. People are people. This has been happening forever. So don't go saying people nowadays because I see that all the time too. Oh, people nowadays, no morals. You're like, no, you know what? I think we're probably more moral now than we used to be because we're all, we're monitoring each other. Everybody's on camera at all times. That's why every other week, every other day at this point, you see a video of somebody uh, having a meltdown and somebody behind a camera going, sir, sir, don't touch me, sir. Sir, don't touch me, sir. And then the person being videotaped is like, you touched me, you touched me. Don't touch me, you touched me. So we're all kind of children once again, you know? I'm sick of seeing those videos. Guys, if you're gonna videotape, I don't know, buck up a little bit, be the Superman you think you are and don't just stand there going, sir, sir, stand back, sir, I'm recording this, stand back. But you know, I would probably respond the exact same way because I am terrified of conflict, as you guys surely know. Anyways, that's the bystander effect. Woo, let's breeze on through. Let's check this one out. This, was, this is a fun one. I like talking about this one. Do y'all want to hear me talk about Phineas Gage? I said, I said, do y'all want to hear me talk about Phineas Gage? So Phineas Gage was a man who, of course, lived in the mid-1800s. Because, you know, that's when Phineas was a name. I show. I'll give you a hundred bucks if you show me somebody's license or birth certificate with the name Phineas on it. I, you know, we got to bring that name back. Fuck it. I'm gonna change my name to Phineas. Phineas Val. Ugh, that doesn't have a ring to it. We'll work on it. Uh, Phineas Phineasonia. Uh, the, my new country. <coughs> God, that spit is sitting in my throat. Um, So Phineas Gage was a railroad worker in the mid-1800s. And one fateful day, he was working on some parts of a track, and it exploded on him. And a pipe, a long metal pipe, uh, blasted through his face, up, up through his cheek, up through his brain... And landed 80 yards away, it fucking blasted, skyrocketed, speared through his head. And the reason why this is such an interesting case study of Phineas Gage is because um, he survived. And not only that, but but it was it was like the it was the craziest case at the time because the guy still had all his all his faculties, like he he could still work he he could still process everything like he hadn't really lost a step the only thing that changed was his personality people say so it's reported that like he kept working uh not immediately after obviously he he sought medical attention and received it at the time which i don't know in mid 1800s they probably just stuffed a a toilet paper roll into the hole in his head and just filled it with gauze (laughs) (laughs) That was the height of medical technology back then. So, fucking miracle he survived. So, Phineas Gage survived and went back to work. And it's a curious case because they say that his personality was significantly different. Everything else was mostly the same. His competency, like I said, he was lucid. He was was, uh, sharp. He was with it. But his personality changed. And he, whereas beforehand, he was well-liked by people and gregarious... And uh, super engaging and and a social butterfly. After this, he was quick to anger. He would get frustrated very easily. He had a short fuse. And so that's and a number of other personality things that I, f- I forget. But I remember reading, you know, how people t- spoke back then. They were like, the gentleman known as Phineas Gage was behaving erratically, of course. And so and it was a, a
0: giant hole in his head. It seems it took out a part of his his spirit and his soul he was a spirited man with a lot of chutzpah and and now he gives quick to anger and of course boiling over his
1: an angry man but also of course he would be angry he fucking he had to go back to work <laughs> he was forced back to work you would be angry too if every time it rained you could feel it on your brain you know what I mean? I'm doing a bit now. Uh-oh, did you hear that? I went into a bit. Look out, the idea wasn't this. You weren't expecting that. I'm trying to be edutaining. Trying to bring the humor about Phineas Gage, the man with the giant hole in his head. You would be you would be quick to anger too if every time a gust of wind blew, it tickled your fucking skull. And tickled some neuro, some neurons, and you're, and you just did a, an involuntary toe-tap and jig every time the wind blew because it tickled a whole bunch of neuroreceptors in your brain. Of a whole bunch of nerves. Like when you dissect a frog and poke parts of his brain and then his, his, leg, his leg kicks out like that, you know? I wonder. I mean, that wasn't part of what was reported about Phineas Gage. Poor guy. Hole in his head. Big pipe. Shot through his brain. So um, feel free to fact check me, but I'm on a roll. And I remember this stuff vividly, so try me. Fucking try me. Um, Most of these are going to be kind of depressing now that I'm looking at my little list here. That's why... uh, Wow. You know, whenever uh, a phenomenon happens uh, in, in the public sphere and it's a big debate. The debates are always the same, but this is the thing, it's sad. Human nature is sad. We are we are great as individuals, but in groups, I really don't trust us. And that's been my thing ever since university. I'm like, the influence that we have on each other, mostly bad, mostly apathetic and bad. But what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> see, did you see what I just did there? Okay, let's move on. Um. Oh, this is an interesting one—the Bobo doll experiment. So, uh, every five or so years, I would say, um, there is, in lieu of either a school shooting or a new hyper-violent video game that pushes the envelope, there's always the debate: uh, what do, what influence do video games, violent video games, have? On the youth. Won't someone think of the children? And um, this was an interesting study way, way back. It was called... I think they just call it the Bobo doll experiment. But basically, these children... I don't know when this was done. I think 60s or 70s. Kind of around there, I I believe. And there was... So... um, there, were, uh, there was, of course, a control group and an experimental group. And in the control group, they brought these kids uh, under 10, I believe, varying ages under 10. And they brought these kids into this room, and they played them a little tape. And they were like, uh, watch this tape. And it would be a video of this playroom with all of these various toys. And in the corner would be one of those clown Uh, Those inflatable clown toys that you can punch and they go wobble, 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 and they come back. It's like the clown punching bag toy, right? And so the control group was shown uh, a video of a kid going into the room and just playing around with everything. Like playing with trucks and uh, building blocks and whatever and then leaving the room. And another group of kids was shown a video of a kid coming in and just... Beating the shit out of that Bobo doll. Just wailing on it. And so, uh, naturally, of course, the kids who watched the Bobo doll beatdown video went in and kicked the shit out of the Bobo doll. And the kids who didn't were less likely to do the same thing. So, whereas, so the, I mean, the results are kind of, it's a, it's, it's hard to draw causation there right? Because kids are kind of monkey see monkey do. And I mean, you could say that simulated violence begets more violence. But I think, you know, at the same time, you could have demonstrated kind of a nonviolent, a third group that's sort of nonviolent, where they like, they they hug the bobo. Maybe they did this. This is where my memory starts to get spotty. But you know, monkey see monkey do, you, imitation. And children. I guess that was kind of... That really went nowhere. I should have researched that one. Shit. Shit. Okay, well, let's do a good news one. How about this one? This isn't even on my list, but this just reminded me of a kid hugging a Bobo doll. And I just remembered they did experiments on monkeys one time. And there would be... It was like um, comfort versus uh, 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 provision and resource. Basically, they took these monkeys and they put them in a cage with two sort of chambers. And um, they were baby monkeys, so it was kind of cruel. But they put them in in these little cages with these two chambers, and they had two sort of simulated mama monkeys. Which, when you see the pictures, you're like, yikes, you guys could have tried a little harder, I guess. I know they're dumb baby monkeys, but fucking Jesus... They just basically painted a monkey head on on top of, like, a tube. And basically... Okay, so the tubes... One was made of wire, but would provide food and, and water for the monkey. And the other one didn't provide anything, but it was a blankie. I'm, I'm, and I'm pretty sure I'm getting this right. So they were basically testing, like, what, you know... What did the monkeys do? And the monkeys, like, went... And ate and drank, but they would spend all their time with the comfy monkey, with the blanky mama, the blanky mama. So basically, uh, they've probably done more sophisticated, advanced and more enlightening studies since then. But basically, uh, that was the first great insight into, you know, parenting and, and love and affection and comfort and just how much just how important contact is and and physical comfort is to us primates more so than uh, you know milk and honey as they say so so if you're a parent you could do providings but remember to hug your goddamn kids <laughs> okay don't wear a wire around your body when you hug them wear a blanket okay that's for the parents out there let's move on Um, shit, I'm on a roll. Here we go. Oh, I think about this one a lot. Um, when I play video games, of course, which is all the time. So, oh man, the details might get spotty here, but I vaguely recall some kind of an experiment done where there were, uh, people were divided into groups. And, they, yeah, people were divided into two groups, and I think it was like a simple, I forget what game it was, it may have been Pong, but it may have been something else. Because I think there were two teams, and and you were completely anonymous to everyone, including your teammates. And basically, you would play this cooperative game, one team against another, And then afterwards, you would have to rate, they would give you pictures of people. And they would say uh, whether this person was on Team A or Team B. And these people would rate the people, personality-wise. They would say whether this person was a good person or not, based on whether they were on the same team or not. And it basically just showed that there was a subtle, but, um, but pronounced enough... And consistent bias in the people you play with versus the people you play against. And just basically arbitrarily dividing people into groups leads you to build, uh, as a defense mechanism, basically build camaraderie within your one and distrust and distaste for people on the outside. So think about that, all right? You know? Don't be racist, but also I'm not, I'm not arguing that it's like part of human nature to be racist because that's shitty and, but it's, but it's part of human nature to, to insulate and, uh, and, and think unfavorably about people just because they're on another team, you know, I don't know where I was going with that one. That one was kind of imprecise too. Let's move on to some meaty shit. The Stanford Prison Experiments. Yo, do you guys have you ever heard of those? The Stanford Prison Experiments? Dude! Make some noise if y'all wanna hear me talk about the fucking Stanford Prison Experiments. Yeah. Um in the 70s, there was an ex this and I think this was. I'm pretty sure this was the straw that broke psychological camel's back in terms of um regulating experiments and doing them morally this was the last big experiment because it was like severely traumatizing to the people involved so like content warning again you know uh, a lot of a lot of uh bad shit i'm gonna tell you about a little bit sort of um, so the stanford prison experiment and it's kind of similar to what i just talked to you about uh, the team A versus team B, but basically in, in the Stanford prison experiment, uh, these students were, they signed up for this immersive, I don't know how long, week long uh, experiment. And they were just arbitrarily selected to be either the guards or the prisoners. And, um, and there were rules set out, like no violence, um, no physical altercations allowed, but Basically, all you need to know is the guards are in charge and you have to do what they say. And that was kind of it. And they just left them to their own devices and just observed as the guards slowly became corrupt with power and just twisted and fucked because of the, just the dichotomy of just the, the position of power that they were in. The guards got real fucked up in the brain and started abusing their power And, like, psychologically torturing, isolating the prisoners, uh, you know, teasing them, harassing them, making their lives miserable. And I'm pretty sure the experiment had to be called short because, like, some people were getting really, really traumatized from it. And, and like, having horrible mental breakdowns and it was just really – it ended really poorly and the guards were, you know – before everything went down, the guards were just regular old students, just just living life, getting by. But it turns out that just being in that position of power just totally corrupted them. And uh, again, being on Team A versus Team B, they just started feeling like the prisoners were less than. They were uh, subhuman, and they just abused the absolute shit out of them. So that experiment... After that, I'm pretty sure that was that was it. Like I said, I think they started putting in they had a serious look at morals and experimentation and people like knowing what they're getting involved in, now they're really strict stringent rules about fooling people. And um and and a part of me uh kind of wonders if you know you can't you those those experiments were fucking horrible for these people but jesus were they revealing at the same time right so there's a part of me morbidly of course and i don't and and i don't say this with any sort of conviction this isn't what i believe but i wonder you know because i was part of some experiments in university too but they were just so they were soft ice cream they were soft serve where basically i like I could tell what the experiment was while I was doing it. And once people kind of know what they're being tested for, you got to throw that experiment out in the trash because now we're just monitoring our own behavior, right? Because there was like, there was one that I just knew was about race and I had to judge everyone based on friendliness. And so I kind of... I just, I just judged everyone the same. I was probably the most boring subject they ever had, where they just showed me a picture of somebody and were like, what do you think of this person? And I was like, yeah, they're okay. And I just said they're okay the whole time, because I knew that it was just so obvious. And then at the end, they were like, okay, here's a cookie. Here's some juice. Get your sugars back up. Uh, uh, this wasn't an experiment about... Um, about fucking facial recognition it was about race and I was like yeah you know I kind of knew so so I don't know what I'm getting at there but you know you got to find out what people are like when they know they're not being when they don't know they're being watched I like to think I would I would rate people favorably across the board I don't know I don't know I I hope I'm not prejudiced but you know It's worth acknowledging that maybe on some level I am. And uh, you just got to work past it. You got to fight against it. By rating everyone in the world a meh. Just navigate through life. It's always safe to think everyone you meet is meh. That's how I get by. Meh. All right, so that's Stanford. I am uh, a couple more. Real quick. This is such a bummer cast. Um... I, by the way, I don't want to be so flippant. Is flippant the word? I hear it a lot and I don't know if I know what that means. I don't want to be uh, uh, very nonchalant about race as well. Because I, you know, especially given every all the news that's going on about indigenous people and just all the really harsh, terrible truths that are coming to light. And you know, the past couple of years we've had with BLM and it's a great, it's a huge reckoning for white people. So I am being reflective of that to the best of my ability. Fucking check me if you don't think I am, please. All right, moving on. This is a serious guess. This is educational guess, educate guess, psychology guess, psych guess major three-year major in university degree that took me five years because I studied extra hard and I did more and that's why I I accomplished my three-year degree in five because I I wanted to try more I did I did more learning (laughs) no that's not exactly true I was gonna get um what was I gonna get I don't at this point I don't know a master's or some no I wasn't gonna get a master's don't be ridiculous Algus. I was gonna get some kind of uh something bigger than a something uh bigger than a major but there was one course that I had to take that was like six hours a week and it was on eight it was at eight o'clock for three hour chunks on like Tuesday and Thursday and it was like it was it was uh research strategies it was how to do research and and fuck that cuz I was always good at pulling shit out of my ass and just and and I've always been a good talker and a good rationalizer so that's how I scored high on my exams and this thing was all about like fucking spending hours and hours at the library how to do good research and isn't this so telling that I decided I just completely there was no way around it I had it was like a it was a um What's the word I'm looking for? It was a necessary, obligatory, like, I had to take... It was... What's the word? God damn it. Not an elective. Um, I had to take it to get my degree. And I was like, fuck that. I'm just going to get a different degree now. That single course ruined everything for me. Because it was like... It was exactly what you imagine. The most boring prof who gets a boner about
0: research. Hello, everyone. My name is Brian. My name is Brian Smith. And uh, we're gonna. I'm um,
1: looking really looking forward to this group of folks. And he looks out, and there's just eight of us, all of us with red glazed eyes, because we're all underslept, and it's eight in the morning. Okay, so we're gonna
0: tackle one of the most exciting things. And excuse me. <laughs> I had two donuts for breakfast. We're going to tackle the most exciting thing about being uh, in academia, and that's, of course, research. And don't ask me how I know that. One can say that maybe I did my research on that. (laughs) Um. so open your textbooks to page one. We're going to do a lot of uh, and if you want to know where page one is, you, you can always do your research. <laughs> yeah, you know, look at the table of contents. That's uh, that's a bit of research humor. All right, as you can see, we're going to have a great time in this class. Yeah, us researchers are... <clears throat> Sorry, that was the donuts again. Us researchers are known for our... Brilliant, witty sense of humor and our charisma that lights up a room. My name is Brian Smith, and
1: I'm gonna give you guys homework on day one. <laughs> <laughs> That's that was that research course, and I was like, no, thanks. So, is it any wonder why, when you when you get in an argument on Facebook or wherever, somebody goes, "Do your research," and you're like, "You do yours." None of us know how to do good research unless we took Brian Smith's six-hour-a-week advanced research for, for class clowns class at the University of Western Ontario. None of us know how to research properly. I'm convinced. I certainly don't. I mean, I, I took, like, I went to three of those classes and then dropped it like a sack lunch. Um, okay, anyways, that's that rant about research. Hello, I'm Brian Smith. Um, okay, last last one. No, I got two more. All right. Um, the Zimmerman trials trials. I hope I get this right. I'm gonna pause it just to make sure I get the title right. Because if I get the details wrong, I can live with that. But if I get the name of these, if I get the name of these things wrong, then that's a real blemish. So, yeah, one one second, one second. Okay, good thing I looked it up, because I was about to uh, fucking Zimmerman is the guy that I think shot Trayvon Martin or something like that. I got it way wrong. Uh, these are called the Milgram Experiments. Do y'all want to hear about Milgram? I said, do y'all want to hear about Milgram?
0: What I want to know is, do.
1: And it's a good thing that I looked this up too, because I would have got a lot of details wrong. I forgot some some of these details, but look at this. Okay, so this was also like a big, uh, it shook the game in terms of morally experimenting on people. So check it out. Oh, and they've done replications. I'm fucking, I'm looking at this while I I speak. Uh, It was, so this was an experiment about obeying authority and they had so this Milgram guy got um got a whole bunch of unsuspecting I think just men at the beginning uh as subjects and he would dress somebody in a lab coat an actor in a lab coat and gave him like an official a big um um pen and a, and a thing to write what's that called <laughs> Why am I blanking on that? You know, the, the wooden board with the... You put the paper on it. Clipboard. Okay.
0: <laughs> I forgot what a clipboard was called. Okay. You know,
1: the plank. The, the paper plank. The plank that you write on. You know what I mean? Okay. So, he got uh, an official authority looking guy to dress up all authority like. And they got um, a dude a subject to sit down at this control panel and uh, as part of the experiment they told this guy they would tell these subjects that on the other side of the wall hooked up to an electric pulse is a quote unquote learner okay and the subject is a teacher and on the other side of the wall is a learner who's hooked up to this pulse thing and the learner has to learn a series of word combinations. And every time they get it wrong, um, the teacher, the subject, has to deliver an electric shock. They have to press a button that delivers an electric shock. And so they t- they convince these people that this is a study about pain and learning, if, that, if pain helps people learn better. Meanwhile, I mean, no one's getting shocked, right? It's an actor on the other side of the room who's pretending to uh, get hurt. And then as the person as the experiment went on, they would turn up the shocks. So they would tell the guy and there was, there would be like a little meter and the subject could see uh, the voltage that quote unquote, that they were sending that they were shocking this person with. And basically, um, so, you know, the actor would purposely get a bunch wrong and this person would shock and shock and shock. And then the shocks would get turned up and this person of authority Anytime um, the subject would object and be like, you know what, I'm not comfortable doing this. I don't want to do this. I'm hurting somebody on the other side of the wall. Uh, the authority figure had four very specific prompts that he was told to say. and if, And just like a telemarketer, if they got rejected after all four attempts, then it was game over. They had to call the experiment. But he would insist in four different ways and a large and and the shocks got bigger and bigger until like some they were labeled at the end like fatal fatal amount <laughs> and a large um, a majority i think i, I think i just read it, it was like 65% took it all the way to the end no um blah 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 results 65% Oh, yeah. 65% of experiment participants administered the experiment's final massive 450 volt shock and all administered shocks of at least 300. So everybody went pretty far at the behest of this authority figure. And it was basically an experiment to show that uh, we are all, uh, you know, we're a bit. We're a bit too easily influenced by authority figures, and in and in questional, we will do questionably morally, uh, ambig- morally ambiguous, morally dubious things if an authority figure is urging us on. So there you go. There's that's Milgram. But, you know, I'm reading up on a couple things on this Wikipedia page. Why did I spend five years on this three-year degree when I could have just read on Wikipedia? What a waste of time and money! See, this is the research that I did. I wonder if Brian Smith is like, we're never gonna... I wonder if he has nightmares about Wikipedia taking his job.
0: And of course, if I catch any of you on Wikipedia, you get an automatic fail. Wikipedia is not right; it's not
1: research. Um, oh shit! So they've done like modern versions. The Discovery Channel aired the "How Evil Are You" segment. So yeah, basically, it was like there was—it was a pretty morbid pretty morbid experiment it really taught that people will go to people will sacrifice their morals if an authority figure is urging them on pretty messed up and you know i'm reading through this and and at the time they sort of they they uh drew similarities to nazi germany and just how many people did just horrible disgusting deplorable things as accomplices you know You can't say that a whole nation of people are evil, more evil than the rest of us. It's just a, it's a very terrible, awful, morbid case of people in groups. I don't trust them. People in fucking groups. Think for yourself, man. Do your research like Brian Smith. Uh, One more. One more thing. One more morbid thought. It's not as bad as the rest of them, but it still uh, makes me a bit sad and loopy um you know what and and uh, you guys can disagree with me on all this stuff but you you probably see why i think the way i do about just how i'm fatalistic and pessimistic i am about human nature because we're all individually cool and i love meeting people after shows but as soon as you guys all get on the subway together i don't trust you anymore and i look at a groove at crowds that laugh at me and i'm like you're all individuals we're all individuals i'm not um that's from life of brian the funniest movie of all time okay let's do one more um this one i'm gonna get the details wrong but uh, i'm gonna get the details right enough that the point still stands i remember because the lesson was profound to me and it's all about choice paralysis. Basically, when you're faced with too many options, uh, you tend to be sadder and you tend to doubt your own decision and you tend to be more dissatisfied with the outcome of things. So this was a study that basically, again, details may be iffy here, but I vaguely remember the study being um, two groups. Um, one group was, uh, is okay, <coughs> excuse me. Two groups were told uh, that it was an experiment about fucking colors or something like that. And they just, they did the fake experiment. And after the experiment was done, um, this was the true, this was the real experiment here. So once the fake experiment was done, group A was given a little piece of art. They were given a little picture, a nice little picture. And they were just handed them the picture and they were like, thank you for doing our study. This is, this is your reward. Take this. Okay. Bye. Thanks for helping science. And then they were sent on their way. Now, group B was uh, given a choice between X amount of pictures or paintings. And so they picked one and took it home. Now, two weeks later, they were asked to report their satisfaction about the picture. And the people who weren't given a choice reported higher happiness levels and higher satisfaction and a lot more appreciation for the art than people who had a choice. So there you go. That right there, oh boy, I don't want to dig too deep because it makes me sad thinking about just how... House. in some cases, maybe freedom of choice will just make him miserable. And that's what FOMO is. FOMO is a real psychological phenomenon. Fear of missing out? Those people who picked their paintings found out the hard way. They're like, aw, why did I take the one of the dog? I wanted the one of the duck. The one of the duck would have looked so much better in the living room! I'm an idiot! And then those people were traumatized for the rest of their lives more than the Milton Milberg see I forgot already Milgram that's it more than the Milgram subjects more than the Stanford subjects these guys had it the worst because they picked a painting that they went home and were like no why did I get a stormtrooper? they're the bad guys I don't even like them I'm more of a Star Trek fan why did I do this why do I do these things? And that is me in a nutshell, basically. This is why I bet it's infuriating to go to restaurants with me because I take so long to pick something and I agonize out loud. I, I drag everybody into the experience, experience where I whine and I... And I moan at the table, and I'm like, uh uh-huh. I'm feeling like a burger, but, like, I love pasta. And the pasta sounds really good. And then I'll try and negotiate with other people at the table. I'll be like, can you please get the pasta so I can try it? And then I will get the burger, and then we can split it. Please? Don't get what you want. Get what I want, and then we can split what I want. Isn't that fun? You can have... Two halves of what I want. That's better than a whole thing of what you want. That's me, that's Algus. Okay. <clears throat> I hope you guys enjoyed this psych Uh and remember, if you doubt me at all, I I I have a degree hanging on my wall. And it's and it hangs on my wall, literally between a mural of a tiger that I found in the, in a, in a dumpster outside of a building, like one of those portable dumpsters. I found that my, my, um, my degree hangs between a mural of a tiger that I found in a dumpster and a holographic $5 framed photo of a deer punching through canvas, like out at you, like a 3d hologram holographic. None of them are the same size. My degree is stuck in between these two ridiculous things. On, on the wall adjacent is a poster of the Ninja Turtles that I got in university. So you can trust my authority on these things. Just imagine that I'm wearing a lab coat and I have a wood plank with paper on it that I draw and draw in my results. And standing behind me, of course, is Brian Smith. And he's coaching me through this
0: because he has done his research, and so have I, and we are the two most interesting people in the room. I, of course, am second place next to Brian Smith because Brian Smith... Excuse me, those were the two donuts I had for breakfast. Brian Smith is the most interesting man in the world, more interesting than Milgram and anyone who
1: ever was in the Stanford experiments. So I hope you guys enjoyed me flexing my uh, the extent of my psychological knowledge. And I hope you learned something. And I hope you go forth into public feeling a lot more individual and a lot more empowered to stand out from the crowd and not to be so influenced by what other people think and just the presence of other people. Oh shit, I forgot about another study involving cockroaches. Real quick, um, cockroaches uh, were... Uh, timed, they had to, like, go down this obstacle course to a uh, prize at the end, and um, in, and in one of the trials, the cockroaches had nobody watching, and in another one, they set up these silly little—it was a true story—they set up, like, silly little bleachers of other cockroaches, and they just put a whole bunch of cockroaches in the bleachers, and the individual cockroach would have to do the same obstacle course. And depending on how many times they had done it before, they were either— um, the crowd either made them better at it or worse. So if they were inexperienced, they would freak out and co- even cockroaches have social anxiety when people watch them. That is the point of that. Pretty fun, huh? Um, social anxiety. So that's also a thing. Don't let other people influence you. Be your own person. Um, my name is Algus. This was Podgus. Have a good week. Don't let the foil hit you on your way out. <laughs> I'm Brian Smith. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Let's go skydiving and swimming with sharks because I'm the most interesting man in the world. Okay, Brian Smith. Bye.
1: Bye.